Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. In this episode is Cues of the Force, Quixotic Quests of the Force. We changed the entire concept, and now the entire episode is going to be about things we are trying very hard to do eh, that probably won't work out. Uh, (laughs) I meant this to be funny, and it got depressing. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scripshaw. (laughs) I'm Ken Napsack. I'm not depressed. That made me laugh. Good, good. We can we can laugh. We all have quixotic quests from You're time good. to time. Uh, consult your doctor if you have one. Anyway, this is Cues of the Force, Questions of the Force, Q&A. We get questions uh, from you all and we try to share 
our answers. Uh, but there are even more A's than just answers. Uh, there's also, hey, Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download in a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles and growing to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend The Princess in the Scoundrel by Beth Revis, just because I really like that book. And maybe I should change his recommendation, but I want everyone to hear this book. To download your free audiobook, you can go to audibletrial.com slash center one more time. That's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book. Uh, but that is not our only A. We also have an ask, Ken. We do have an ask. We'd like to ask for you all out there to consider checking out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash force center. We, uh, because of you out there, have uh, reached so many wonderful goals lately, including uh, that live Star Wars rank that was exclusive for patrons. And we're going to do that again if you help us reach a goal of 2200 a month uh, to help uh, uh, make that happen. Uh, it's fun to hang out with all of you, do that, then release that to the public later. Uh, one of the examples of things you made happen, of course, is Jedi Beat, the YouTube edition. Jennifer Land had taken some of her older episodes. Uh, and we thought initially, you mentioned this on the new show, Joseph, just slap some pictures on it. Uh, <laughs> but that was that was never going to be the case. Jennifer being the, the talented journalist that she is, and as she says, a perfectionist, has almost redone all these episodes and they begin running. It's a five-week run, Monday, July 17th. We're really excited about that. And that's all happening because of you and your support at patreon.com slash center. So there you go. That's our ask. That is yeah. a beautiful ask. Uh, well delivered, Ken. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's an, an A for this. Oh, hey, announcement! Announcement! Uh, it's a small announcement. announcement. Anyway, uh, speaking of Q and As, uh, we are getting back onto YouTube and doing a live Q and A this Friday. If you're listening as the episode comes out, uh, that is Friday, June thirtieth at four p.m. Pacific. Uh, we're gonna have a hangout. We will take your questions. We will probably have a little sip of something, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll be talking Star Wars and. And of course, this is opening weekend for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be, if, if we're talking spoilers, we'll be clear about that. Maybe we'll steer away from spoilers, but we can have some indie fun there as well. So if you want to join us on YouTube, uh, put that in your calendars. Anything I'm forgetting about that one, Ken? Uh, no, other than I think I need to refresh my rum choices. So we'll see what's going <laughs> to happen. Excellent. Excellent. I got some Indiana Jones action figures I can share, too. Uh, everybody wants to see the, the weird monkey uh, peering out behind <laughs> Marion Ravenwood's wedding dress in this retro figure. That's <laughs> the weirdest choice. I love it. Anyway, we're going to get on to the titular queue, the questions. We've got two uh, from patrons on Patreon. We have one from uh, listeners on Twitter. And, of course, we have a Power of the Light Side segment. So let's dig in. Our first question comes to us uh, from patron Ben Potter. Here is what Ben has to say. I'd like to talk Star Wars names. I feel like Star Wars character names have a different vibe than Star Trek names or other sci-fi names. What do you think makes a name in Star Wars good? What are some obscure favorites? I also think you can tell 95% of the time if a Star Wars character is good or bad by hearing their names. Are there any names that made you think a character would be good and they turned out bad or vice versa? Thanks for all your lovely work. 
Uh, this is a great question, multi-questions, uh, kind of the, the nesting doll of questions <laughs> about uh, about Star Wars names with lots of uh, mini questions uh, in there. So, Ken, I want to start just general and talking about Star Wars names in general, and then we'll be sure to, to dial down and, and, uh, and get to Ben's individual uh, name questions as well. But big picture, do you think Star Wars character names are different than other sci-fi names and and for yourself how are they different yeah i think they are very different and they are on a level um i think they surpass but they're they're in terms of pop culture and their relevance whether the memes jokes just knowledge people who aren't even fans who know oh that's a star wars name it's similar to like bond girl names which aren't mm. haven't always been the best i'll say but they're memorable and <laughs> better or worse they're memorable um they're they're in that category for me uh just to say other you know I, I, you know, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, you know, those, those are some of the Game of Thrones have, you know, George R. R. Martin's picked five names and just m- spells them differently for all the characters. Like they all have their special place, but Star Wars names, man, they're top of the list just for the Luke Skywalker of it all. It starts there and just gets better. Yeah. What to you, I really agree. Uh, what, to you is special about Luke Skywalker. How does Luke Skywalker start it all for you? It is like a good band name. And this is the Simpsons definitely cover this in the B sharps episode, which now is probably who knows 30 years ago, which is crazy to think, but them trying to name the band. And it's like, it's gotta be this and that. And you kind of laugh at it until you take it seriously type of vibe, but B sharps. Ha ha ha. Oh yeah. That's the name. I think that's how star Wars names work where you look at it and you kind of almost roll your eyes like, Oh, I get it. Skywalker. Han Solo, we get it. And then you just can't move off of it. It, it just takes on its own meaning. Um, and, and I think it, that's why, you know, Luke Starkiller would not have been right. It just wouldn't have been right. <laughs> no, it would have been too aggressive. Yeah. 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 That's like the Mad Max version of Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. That's why I think it kind of starts there. And that's kind of the vibe for names. Star Wars. Yeah. I, I think for me, the, the names are powerful because uh and different because mm-hmm. they are so based in fantasy and myth mm-hmm. um star trek to me is is often based in realism star star trek is almost more of a what if this mm-hmm. could be our future we could go out to the star you know earth could unite and and solve a lot of earth's problems and then we could go out and and meet other civilizations and and you get into fantasy and you get into lots of alien names but even you know a lot of the alien names from star trek you know klingon seems like high fantasy because we've lived with it forever but you know it's not that uh, absurd or out there and then as you get into you know star trek that really wants to be dealing with more realistic issues like deep space nine you you know these characters were introduced in next generation but cardassian and bajoran and like you know, uh, if if somebody told you like, hey, there's a huge missing part of your history. You've never heard of the Bajoran culture. I wouldn't be like, what's that wacky sci-fi name? I believe yeah. that was a real yeah. people on Earth, you know? Yes. Like, oh, I'll watch the YouTube history video on that. Hold on. Give me a second. Yeah. Yeah. But if people like, you never heard of the Twi'leks? And like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think that other things have realism or mm-hmm. Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings or, or Game of Thrones. It's like that, too. Right. Of it kind of yeah. want, even though it's fantasy, it, it, it wants to follow sort of rules of of real world naming yeah. conventions. Um, yeah, in, in just, the way they're structured and passed down, and house yeah. of, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got, and you get just got weird vowels in, in places. You know, that's about it. 
Yep, yep. You change a vowel here and there, but Star yeah. Wars is based in fantasy. They are names that sound like they should be found not in real world Earth, but in an epic poem from the mm-hmm. 11th century or a Brothers Grimm story or ancient hieroglyphics. They are pulled not from, not as much from real human Earth in vibe as they are from real stories of human Earth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes them feel more fantastic. I think that's the, you know, starting with Star Wars, with with names that tell you exactly who the characters are. Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker and, and Han Solo are names that are explicit because it's uh, meant to be a, a, a learning story. And mm-hmm. you, you want people to have no doubt of where they are. And then I think that happens with the, the bad guys too of let's, Let's use sounds that have been associated with, you know, uh, aggression. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, and, I, and I think it totally makes sense to me that Lucas went with Starkiller because is we've, we've talked about pulps a lot, particularly when we've been talking about Indiana Jones. You know, there's this intermixing in Star Wars between fantasy and pulp, and pulp can have that darker edge, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I can see Lucas you know, kind of pulling back and forth between fantasy and pulp and Starkiller is a pulp name and Skywalker is a fantasy name. Uh, And I think it made sense that it went, he went more to the fantasy and and to your point, more to what fits the character. Yeah. 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 And you know, uh, like I said, uh, Starkiller base, Starkiller, the character. Yeah. It it definitely works. It fits in Star Wars, but yeah, you look, you look at Mark Hamill's face. That's not a (laughs) Starkiller. It's not a Starkiller. That's a Skywalker. He's meant to walk in those stars. Um, Mm. This is in relation to Ben's question, uh, but is just a little bit tackling the name thing. Cause strangely out of all of our years of broadcasting, we haven't talked, we've talked about individual names Mm -hmm. or silly names we haven't really talked about the the big picture umbrella of names as much. We've never had a ranked of the best names to, to my recollection. Um, I think so. But I think I, I love making those jokes and there are certain things that have a rhythm that that sounds like a, that, that printer name sounds like a droid from star Wars or, you know, that, that, <laughs> that cheese, like, you know, Welsh rare bit, uh, that old dish that definitely sounds like some yeah. shifty mechanic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we all make those jokes. The thing I want to spend a minute on, Ken, is I actually do think there are many different kinds of Star Wars names. Yes. And they all have their sort of um, their power and their baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you mind spending a few minutes on this? Is this okay? No, no I, no, I love it. And it, it, it'll get into a little bit of some of even my choices today. But yes, you, you, you hear, oh, Star Wars name, you immediately go to what you're talking about. Or, you know, the villain's going to be Twirly McMustache. And you just kind of, that's you think that's Star Wars names. And again, Skywalker, I think it goes back, for me, it goes to that. But that's not necessarily true. There's so many different kinds of Star Wars names. Yeah, and the, the ones we spend time kind of poking fun at are the ones that just like a, take a known human name and, and just, you know, turn it mm-hmm. around like like mm-hmm. they've done for some of the uh, the artists, you know, in yes. in Star Wars and things like that. Or just, you know, make two noises. Bonk Donkle Good. Okay, that's a Star <laughs> Wars name, you know. And that's... <laughs> Please make that a name. Bonk, it's bonk. so fun, you know. Uh, but that's it. But that that's like a specific kind of Star Wars character. Yes, that that you're never gonna be like. And the fate of the Jedi rests in the hands of Punk Uncle Good. You know, <laughs> no. The main character names have a power because they're always short, shorter, mm-hmm. punchy, 
and to have a musicality to them. There's a rhythm to saying them, uh, even though they're they're based in in fantasy and they sound mythic. They also sound relatable and real. Um, mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker, Poe Dameron, Leo Organa, Padme Amidala, Avar Chris, like they all have this rhythm to them and this crispness, and they have this mm-hmm. awareness of, you know, we don't we don't want to make children wrestle with you know, uh, pronouncing Elon Sleeves by Gano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the main character. So the main character names don't always fall into that, the trope of the jokes that we make about Star Wars names. How do you feel about main character names? I you're, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, in fact, you talk about Poe Dameron. I think Poe Dameron's one of the great Star Wars names. Mm-hmm. And back, this is back when I was, you know, maybe making fun of Captain Phasma's name. And we had Finn and sounded great. We had Ray, but we hadn't seen the film yet. We didn't know what was going on. And Poe Dameron. And, and we got a full name, right? It wasn't just Poe. Poe Darren. I just remember thinking, okay, this is going to be good. We get, this, they got it. They know what they know what to do. And 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 that's not a silly name. It's not Poe McFly Boy. It, it's Poe Dameron. And and you talking about the the musicality, um, the the uh, downright percuss, percuss, percussive nature of Cal Kestis is mm. uh, that's a great Star Wars name. It's uh, a main character name. Yes, yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. You're hitting hitting the uh, nail on the the Kestis. Of, of 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 like a lot of things, it rises above the jokes. The jokes are what you know gets remembered. Um, and, and occasional name will pop up, uh, and uh, you know it might be on your list. But like, there's some names where you're like, "Yep, that's a that's a fun, silly Star Wars name." We get it, but I, I just think it's not fair to to what you talk about. I think it's important to have these uh, real uh, spacey, fantasy, pulpy hero names, and it really works. Like, quite frankly, like Luke Skywalker is is. Is is absolutely musical, but it's almost too long, right? It's, yeah, it's almost too long. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Poe Dameron is like that's perfection. Like sometimes we talk mm-hmm. about how you can't, you know, capture lightning in a bottle again. Like sometimes mm-hmm. the first film or first anything is like mm-hmm. nothing's ever going to be exactly the same. Poe Dameron's like lightning in a bottle. Like they did it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect main character name. I, I feel like maybe one of the creators has talked about this. Maybe J.J. Abrams. I also feel like main character names have to be like a six-year-old can dress up with, for them as Halloween and loudly, proudly pronounce who they yeah. are. Um, yeah, I'm Bo Dameron. <laughs> yeah, I'm Padme Amidala. Maybe Padme Amidala is a little bit more work, but you know <laughs> that there's a there's a power to keeping them. A little bit more. I'm Cal Kestis, you know. Yeah. I'm Avar Chris. Yeah, I'm yeah. Elzar Man. Is yeah, um, a little bit more. No, I don't know if five year olds are pretending to be Elzar Man, but a, a fella can dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. that to me is the power of them as well. I I, I agree. Um, and then you get into me to, to me the next category before you even get to the Donk Bonko Goods or whatever I said is the villain names. Yes, and I think the villain names have a long history of beating you over the head with a gaffy stick. Uh, yeah. But they sound cool, pulpy, and dangerous. I, my brother and I used to sit around and talk about that's one of the things that's great about Star Wars is that Darth Vader and Boba Fett sounded mm. cool and scary. And mm-hmm. like, and how did, how did George Lucas do that? How did he make two names that sound that cool? As an adult, Boba, you know, now, now it's the drink and everything, but, yeah, yeah. but Vader and Fett. Um, just... It, that to me, the, those are the kind of the, the villain starting point names, and then they get, you know, a little bit larger, a little bit more uh, obvious, maybe with Darth Sidious. But they always keep yeah. that. Like, um, I don't think they're trying to be like 
take us deadly serious. Obviously, the characters are serious. The stories are serious. But the names are meant to be pulpy. They are of that tradition. Mm -hmm. You know, Cad Bane, that's a that's a damn cool name, but it's but it's pulpy. Mm -hmm. Captain Phasma Mm -hmm. is literally straight out of the pulps, as we've talked about. So I feel like the villain names are almost their own category as well. I really think it is that that vaudevillian style, right? Like, mm. like Darth Vader comes on stage and the the organ plays some music, you know. Bum, bum, yeah. bum, bum. I really think it does have to capture the vibe. And, and you're right, they're cool. Kylo Ren is just the coolest of the cool for me. I, I love that name, but I also like Hawks. You know, I, it, that works for me too. And even Armitage Hawks still works. I get the picture of who he is by hearing that name. Um, and I've definitely come around on 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 Phasma. Um, embracing what it means and and jj of course later on explained where he kind of pulled it from and everything too but yeah uh it should it should kind of not make you smirk uh, like the phasma name did for me but like yeah you're like i get it and and you make like darth tyrannus darth sidious sure i I think if you want to have some fun with it that's part of celebrating star wars but i wouldn't want it any other way what would what would you want your villain to be darth you know mcgoogle like it doesn't it doesn't (laughs) want to throw mick in front of every name today but you know what I mean? Like it, you want it to be Darth Tyrannus. That's fun to say on a playground. Yeah, and it is. It's just it's just playing fair about what this is, and I, there's always that tension in in, in Star Wars where it means mm-hmm. all sorts of different things to us, and it has other elements that that aren't pulp, but it's never too far from pulp, and that is a reminder. And I think to me, it's one of the things that I love about Star Wars is it's kind of ridiculous that his name is Darth. Tyrannus. It's like so on the nose. And yet it's this complicated character full of ideas and lessons. And I just love that it can be both. It can just be both. Yeah. And there's something to be said about like, you know, you know, Darth Vader, you, you grow up with that. Like, and I don't care what generation you are. You, you, you're a Star Wars fan and you know it. And then the new name comes along and it seems silly. But I think you're not taking into account how silly Darth Vader is, but also how cool mm-hmm. it is and how just it stands the test of time. It's that thing of, of you know, I mean, gosh, I used to make fun of Count Dooku. Like that was one of the reasons I hated oh, the prequel, yeah. quote unquote, uh, until I found out a little bit of what it meant. And also just you say it enough and like, no, it 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 feels good when you say Count Dooku. Like, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't love when it first popped out. Yeah, no, and then there's the obviously the the Dracula connection mm-hmm. with the with the Christopher Lee's famous ha- uh, Hammer horror role. Uh, but I love your point about almost thinking of them like stage names, like mm-hmm. vaudeville or British panto, where mm-hmm. you want to have no doubt that they're a baddie when they walk on stage, and and to have names that sound that way. Uh, the way Yoda says Dooku, <laughs> mm-hmm. you uh, it's almost like egging the audience on to boo. I love that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then you know you get to the the one of the most poked fun at, understandably, Star Wars names. I think it's beautifully ridiculous, but Savage Opress of Savage Opress. Yeah. Okay, just there, it's not it's not you know, yeah. <laughs> letters and sounds that are kind of nasty like Vader and Fett. It's just those are two bad words, except for one is <laughs> pronounced <laughs> like you're <laughs> like you're pretending you know French when you don't. Uh, yeah. Like, but again. To me, it's like, okay, we want no doubt of what this character symbolizes. And then the actual story is so sad and so pathetic. Mm -hmm. He gets nothing out of being savage or oppressing people. And I love it. Well, I think that's part of the the, part of the power of like of just looking at that name. Yeah, it 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 it's I'd I'd say silly 
Like it's not one of my favorite names, but I don't stop and think about it anymore. He just, no. it's Savage, Savage Press because of his story, because of the character behind the name. Uh, and when a character, when a name gets a chance to tell its story, so to speak, uh, I think some of that, um, uh, you know, some of the smirking is, is definitely removed, at least for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then for me after, so you get the main character names, you got the villain names, and then you get into what I'm going to big lump background weirdos. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is the main genre that people poke fun at. Um, yeah, yeah. I think maybe even you could maybe even throw a sidekick in there. Like Chewbacca is right on the edge of like, we're so used to it, but I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure, especially for like adults in 1977, like well, I'm supposed to take this seriously. This dog named Chewbacca. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think we're much more used to that now. So it doesn't it play as, is uh, yeah. bonkers. Um, but, uh, th- this is the one where I think is, is the part that Star Wars just celebrates being, wild and fun having a sense of play having a sense of why not i think this is the ilan sleeves begano the um mm-hmm. corn frita who named after the way one of lucas's children said corn fritters uh mm-hmm. her, hermie odal after hear me yodel or you know i think this is where especially in the uh expanded universe uh, you know writers went real crazy with apostrophes and that used to be the joke of like mm-hmm. just a bunch of vowels and consonants thrown together with an apostrophe here and there i think this is the main category that people think of as star wars names and poke fun at what do you feel about that category and and some of my favorite names some we might discuss here today but yeah <laughs> I, I i really i really agree with that i i think that becomes the the headline and i don't think it's a bad thing it's it's a fun thing um but yeah, and the apostrophe, and we, you and I have made jokes to put the apostrophe there. Uh, I am Kaken. Uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> it, it's part of the part of the fun. But yeah, I, I love uh, uh, what you've done here, breaking down the categories of Star Wars names, and and this is perhaps um, the most memorable for 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 good reasons. This is where the weirdos come to live in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. and I say, knock yourself out. Of they mm-hmm. aren't the main thing characters. They aren't always like holding up the the actual lesson or or theme or or mm-hmm. myth. Uh, this is a big, wild, weird galaxy. And part of the fun of going there is it's bonkers. Mm. Uh, and I think that's why these names are, you know, weird like that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's my last category, Ken. Uh, and uh, thank you for indulging me. Mm. I think we're also dealing with a, it's always been there, but I think it's increasing more and more with the vast number of uh, television series, books, comic books. I think there's also like a kind of catch-all name. They're not as far background or as weird as like, uh, now we're having fun. We're making a joke. It's Hermiotal. Hermiotal, Hermiotal. But characters who are not necessarily the main character, but they're a little bit more grounded, a little bit more earthy. We don't necessarily want to have them be kind of a a joke or a punchline anyway. Uh, I'm thinking of like the, uh, the, Trace and Rafa Martez, uh, Vel Sartha, mm-hmm. Penn Pershing. They all still sound a little alien, but are a little bit more names that you would encounter in Star Trek or other science fiction because they they still got a space fantasy flair, but they're like, they're grounded, earthy yeah. characters that we don't want to poke fun at. They're not a background weirdo. They're not the main character. They're a supporting okay. character representing something, something kind of real and important. I, I like that breakdown. Yeah, it's all, that's... It's it's not necessarily a new category, but to your point, it's just it's highlighted more because the amount of content we have now. So yeah, or amount of shows, um, I love that. Yeah, kind of expanded category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so I think that answers some of Ben's questions, but but he's got some other specific ones. So let's talk some favorite names and, and maybe even some surprise ones. So what do you got there, Ken? Well, I got to tell you, Ben, this is one of those ones. I, I read the question. I went to sip my coffee. went, oh, easy. God, I spent my whole life loving Star Wars names. And then I drew a big blank. <laughs> it's I don't too remember, much, right? Too much. I don't remember any Star Wars names. Um, so I, I was like, you know, screw it. Let me look it up. Let me let me let me jog my memory here, and that and that helped uh, get some um, different answers. And I think I I would have just answered if I'd gone with my my memory. Uh, so here's some of my favorites. Uh, I was going to say this too. Obscure is a relative term around here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, obscure is uh, to my mom. Yes, uh, you know, Chewbacca might be obscure to my mom. So uh, uh, here, here's what I went with. Uh, I for this I did this was a, a, a impulse gut reaction first instinct rats Tyrell mm. I I just love that name and and this list could be nothing but pod racers oh yeah the pod race names are some of my favorite in Star Wars and uh, but just rats and and it's the sad tale of rats and uh, you know and the fact that his name is rats and that's just a great race name but also <laughs> oh rats what a sad story but Tyrell spelled with a, a an e and two l's and just kind of drawn out in a spacey way uh, I start my list with there we're not gonna I know we're not gonna do full Star Wars ranked here pitch it back and forth but that's that's where I went with my list first. That that's a great one, you know. Yeah, there's the classics, like you know. Hey, Luke Skywalker's pretty good. Um, I, I thought I I, I uh, suspected we would both uh, wax mm. philosophical about Poe Dameron, which is just yeah. damn. That's a great name. Um, on the absurd side, uh, from more expanded canon, I, I do love uh, Itchy becoming at a chit cuck. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the word that makes me feel dirty every time I say it. Um, mm. This is a deep cut maybe to some people, but probably not anybody listening to this podcast. But I really do like Terra Sanube. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's got a great rhythm to it. It's fun to say, and it has a a sense of um, of wisdom to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I, think, I think Jedi names could be a whole other category. Sometimes they fall into background weirdos of overly complicated or or jokey names but a lot of times they're they're just they're not main character but they're uh, a little bit more straightforward uh mm-hmm. also in that category he's one of my favorite characters but he's also just got a great could be a main character name from the high republic is wreath silas mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. i love that i love that i wouldn't mind being named wreath silas <laughs> great name Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a great baseball player name too. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, um, guy, you mentioned the Jedi one, like like Kiati Mundi is a great name. I, I think there's a lot of debate around Kiati yeah. Mundi and what he says and does, but I think that's a great name. And and, and I think between him and Qui Gon, there suddenly came the idea that every Jedi name had to have like a dash in it. There, I don't. That's mm-hmm. not true. It's it's not true. But they. Mm-hmm. So a couple others on my list here, uh, and this was uh, my memories jog not not from a list I looked at, but I've been I've been slowly kind of. Rewatching Rebels, getting back on on that. Uh, I just love this name, Ryder Azadi. Oh uh, yeah, is such a and, and you hear that name, and we're gonna have a discussion about a name that you know names might be you think they're good or think they're bad. Ryder Azadi is just it's a name of action. <laughs> it's a name of forward <laughs> motion and momentum uh, to take on the Empire, and uh, I absolutely love that name. Yeah, I feel like when I heard Ryder Izzati, I was like, is there going to be a folk song about that name? That's a folk song name. Let me tell you the tale of Ryder Izzati. Ryder Izzati went into town. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, this we could do an eight-hour podcast just about the spread of Jedi names in the prequels. Because yes, you have Mace Windu, who to me is it's it's a little bit more space fantasy, but but it's still up there mm-hmm. with sort of main character name. Yep. Uh, yep. Simple, punchy, cool. Uh, and then yeah, you got a, like a little fun alien like Kiati Mundi. Uh, but <laughs> but then you got full bonkers background weirdo by the time you get to Kit Fisto of like, yeah. OK, uh, who, you know, who was drinking what at 2 a.m. when this person became Kit Fisto, you know, <laughs> or just George walked in the office and they went, uh, that guy's name's Kit Fisto. OK, George. <laughs> Kit Fisto is totally just ripped mm-hmm. out of, of Flash Gordon, yeah. you know, cereal. Yeah, love yeah. that. Um, yeah. writer Zadi is good is great. Um, a couple more from me. Maybe this is on your list. Uh, but a you know a smaller character name from the original trilogy that eventually got a first name, and it just pops in my mind of like that's also cool enough to be a main character name. Crix Maydean. Oh yeah, good old Crix. Right, that is such a cool name. Uh, I yeah. just yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he also feels like I, I want to sing a song about Crix Maydean. <laughs> tell a tall tale of an writer Izadi and Crix Maydean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> up. Love that one. Oh, that one. Um, not obscure and, and definitely in the villain mold and into Ben's uh, great question about can you tell the difference between a good good uh, character mm-hmm. name and a bad character name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Asajj Ventress mm-hmm. is, you know, it's it's close to, you know, being super on the nose like the Savage Press, but it's uh-huh. not quite there in the ending. You know, it, it I mean, it, it is just so, uh, you know, vent. Um mm-hmm. Is, is close to just like cut wound <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, lacerate um and then having obviously the the stereotypical feminization of it mm-hmm. with rest it, it's pretty on the nose and yet it's just so damn cool yeah it, and just kind of it, it it both rolls out of your your mouth and off your tongue but also it f- flies out of there <laughs> with a bit of anger yeah so, yeah and it, it's one of the great, uh, also, like, let's have fun with the spelling of, you know, mm-hmm. the, the double J, Asajj Ventress. Oh, I, I have to look it up often. <laughs> my, my brain jumbles those letters around sometimes. I have to be like, wait, where does the J's, where do the J's go? Yeah. <laughs> where do the J's go? No apostrophes, just a double J. Uh, yeah. I have one more, but I want to know if you have more. Yes, I do. Uh, recent one, I'm a fan of the character. Uh, we've talked about it before, but I think this is a great Star Wars name. Zori Bliss. Oh, yeah. Talk about action, uh, a name with energy to it. Um, the bliss is confusing. You know, is, is this happiness? What is this? What's this bliss mean? Uh, and and you couldn't really tell which way the character was going. I think a lot of that had to do with the design that we had seen going into the film. I uh, love that name. Um, in the same vein, going back to the original trilogy, I and this is a character, you know, I didn't learn until later when we all learned these names uh, post-1983. Uh, Zev Zaneska. And, and I think if you're looking for, hey, what are the rebel pilots behind Luke? Uh, you know, Biggs Darklighter, great name, classic Star Wars kind of name. Uh, even though what's a dark letter? I don't know, but it just sounds right. <laughs> Zev Seneska, like that guy's flying for the rebellion. Oh, yeah. And there's a got to be a, somebody invented a cocktail in 1923 called the Zev Seneska, right? Yeah. It's yeah. So good. Uh, and then uh, two more on this uh, list. Um, one of my all time favorites that I think 
I used to use as evidence that the prequels weren't good, but now um, I would yell at myself because it's evidence that the prequels are great and fantastic. It's it's Pago the Lesser. Oh, like, fantastic. Great, Paul. He's clicking and clacking and got the Death Star plants. Who is this guy? It's Pago the Lesser. What? What is it? There's, it, it it's such a name with the story and a tip of the iceberg storytelling going on mm-hmm. with that name uh, about the uh, Geonosian uh, uh, culture and like, who he is, like, I love that name. And, and, yeah. And turned around on that one fast once I thought about it. That's such a great, a great uh, pick. I love, I love breaking things up and, and suggesting different cultures, you know, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that the, this leader and, you know, he's, he's maybe the political leader, the, the mm-hmm. Queens are the, the real uh, yeah. leaders, it would seem. Um, but then why is he called the lesser? And that, like, that's just great thought starter. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you're making me think of prequels names. The other one that I want to throw out is uh, kind of a great name is Rick Ollier. Um, oh, yeah. Which I want to be sure to talk about this because we haven't talked about it as much of like, even though these names are, are so many of them are fantasy and, and mm-hmm. mythic. Uh, there is that one foot in the real world too of like Luke, Gon, Leia. Those are, those are real human names, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from the get go, real human names. And, the power of Star Wars names by just throwing on something a little bit different. Rick mm. Ollier is a Star Wars name, yeah. <laughs> but it's real funny to imagine somebody in Star Wars just turn around and going, Hey Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yet it works. Yes. What's the, uh, the high Republic Jedi Douglas. <laughs> Jedi oh Master yeah. Douglas. Yeah. Master. Love yeah. <laughs> Douglas Sunvale. I think mm. I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, yeah. Okay. Love that. Yeah, that's a great one. And you have one more? Yeah, my final one. And, and it kind of goes with what you're saying about, hey, as we get more stories uh, and, and streaming shows and comics and everything. And I think this, you hear this name and it's so kind of normal. But then you think about it for a second. You're like, number one, that's the Star Wars name. And two, it tells me so much I need to know about the character. And it is Cyril Karn. Mm. You, you hear that name and you know, ah, I think we have uh, uh, uptight, tightly wound, <laughs> ready to explode, problematic bad guy uh, who enjoys cereal. The cereal and the cereal of it all. I don't. I don't know how connected those are. I haven't looked at that story. But um, Cyril Karn. It looks like a, that sounds like a guy you worked with at Kinko's. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, my shoulders go a little bit higher uh, when I hear the name Cyril Karn. Parts yeah. of my body tighten up. <laughs> yep. Like uh, when Cyril Cyril worked. He works Friday. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, we can't give this project to Cyril because he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna get really <laughs> uptight about it. So he can't he, hide that job from Cyril Carr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, just one of those names that you know this isn't right. But he like it just he might have got picked on in school for being named Cyril. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which why has so much anger towards Cyril apparently. Um, <laughs> I wanted to highlight that because I just think that's a great, great Star Wars name. And there's something about Karn that sounds like it is the name of a cereal. Maybe this is where yeah. it's all going. He ends up inventing a cereal, and it's, <laughs> they're called Karn. Um, here, that's a great, great one because mm. Andor has got a really great. Since Andor is trying to be a little bit, you know, mm. uh, more grounded, and it's not yeah. going to have is is the Lonsley's Beganos are not going to pop up in in yeah. Andor. That that's fascinating to study those names. Cassian Andor, by the way, is is up there with Poe Dameron. Of damn, they did it again. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Oh, yeah. 100% agree with that, yes. Cassian, so cool. But here's my actual final one. This is uh, from a book. It's one I used to go on about all the time because 
uh, as we talked about, a lot of variety in Star Wars names, but this one felt like it's this is going back to the beginning, and that is uh, Claudia Gray's character, Joff C. Striker. Just the best. <laughs> Just yeah. so powerful, and for a long time I was calling him a one-syllable noun verber, uh, <laughs> because that's the formula, Luke Skywalker, Joff C. Striker. Yeah, it's yeah. so great. I, I, I kind of figure you talk about Joff, um, but I, I'm so glad you did because I, I think that's a great example of everyone thinks that's how Star Wars names are. But really, like we discussed, not so much, but when it does show up, it's beautiful. And Joff yeah. and Strikers is just a wonderful name. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of rare. There's not mm-hmm. as many Sea Strikers and Dark Lighters as, uh, as I might even like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think we've tackled most of Ben's questions except for this uh, one uh, really great one about was there a character we were ever wrong about that we made a guess based on their name and we were wrong? Yeah. Do you have any stories of that? I, I do. I, I was trying to think back to just marketing and, 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 and it'd be mostly modern era Star Wars where you're like, we had so much time to speculate and that was the cottage industry that, you know, grew up around all this stuff that exploded out here. Um, so I have two solo names mm. and one is a name you, you heard and you're like, Oh, that's, that's definitely a bad guy, but we don't really have the answer. There's more storytelling. And that is Thurm scissor punch who stole the show at that Denny's press event. <laughs> Trading card came out with a name. And again, like Joff Striker. Oh, that's right. This is what Star Wars names are. Again, mm-hmm. true, but Therm Scissor Punch. Uh, I <laughs> am glad about his place in the movie, right? That we didn't have like a, a heartfelt scene with Han go, Therm, I need to get out of here. Well, of course you do, Han. Like, I'm glad we didn't have that. Um, but I do need more Therm Scissor Punch, perhaps. Not in a, maybe a solo too, but maybe an animated project. He, he needs to show up in Bad Batch. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Or he could be alive during the High Republic. Why not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's oh, that, that one. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And then uh, the other one, I did. this is uh, talk about solo marketing as well. A character that it, it worked on me because I was like, like, that is a damn great Star Wars name. It is a villain name to the core and I'm in on it. And then you come to find out not so much. And it's the character of Infus Nest. That mm. is, that is, um, at the time, and with the design, which I've talked about, I just love that design. So many people love love Infus, but yeah, it, it yeah, it was set up. I, I, I in a way fell for the marketing, right? Oh, here's, mm-hmm. here's one of the adversaries, Infus Nest. Ooh, bounty hunter, scoundrel, scum. Ooh, uh, and then to you know um, get the reveal, and that's why I think it worked. When 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 the mask comes off and it's Aaron Kellyman there, I I I did the uh, kind of an audible like, oh, awesome! Like, and and I think that has a lot to do with the name going into the movie. I think you're right. I think that is one that goes back to the great villain traditions of uh, of Boba Fett or Bosk mm-hmm. or Dengar of just like it's just the the sounds are close enough to to ones that um uh, yeah. uh at least you know from from our cultural perspective we associate uh mm-hmm. it almost sounds like a, a snake noise, right? Of infest yes. nest. It's it, it's somehow like uh, uh slinky it's, and also nasty. It's a name that sounds like it is going to pop up behind you and snap your neck. It, it's, <laughs> it sounds like a character that Cobra Commander was like, here's my cousin, Infest. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yet it's not as on the nose, right? Yep. It, it, it isn't like, you know, Axe dead now. Um, <laughs> <he> is, <laughs> Uh, Axe Wolves is, uh, yeah. Axe Wolves actually, that was a good one because we were Axe debating his, his allegiance ultimately toward the end of uh, Mandalorian season three. And it does sound like a, a sneaky name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Fist Nest is, I think, the, the closest I've been to. Like, I just didn't question it. I just didn't think it was 
I didn't think it was a question of the movie. I thought it was, that's mm-hmm. a cool bounty hunter name for a cool bounty hunter character who's going to be a, a foil. I had, it was a name that tricked me because I didn't think the movie would pivot on yeah. that character's identity in, yeah. in the way that it did. Yeah. Um, the one that made me uh, hopeful was uh, Riva. I Ooh. felt like it was really interesting that they led with her name. I think if they had just led with third sister, mm-hmm. I would have thought like, this is going to be a, a, a foil. This is going to be an obstacle. When they gave her the, the name Riva, when we don't normally get to hear you know, Inquisitor's mm-hmm. actual names, that may, gave me so much hope of like, this could be a, a happy moment mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. this potentially sad tale or yeah. bittersweet tale. Uh, this could be a victory that that Riva could be a character who reconnects with her humanity. So that was a name that almost tipped it for me the other way. Yeah, that's a great that's a great example. Yeah. Mm. Final thing I'll say, Ken, your your Taka Solo reminded me of one of my other favorite names of, um, and I think it's uh, I don't know if it pops up anywhere but the visual dictionary. Uh, maybe it's in the novelization. I don't remember. Uh, but the man who gives Solo his last name. Drawed Munbrin, <laughs> it just sounds like the driest muffin you ever ate of a a dry muffin as a human being. And just a perfect. boring, officious name, right? Yep, that's perfect. It's one of the things you and I love about that scene. Just another day in the Empire for this guy, and uh, it's a life changing moment for Han. So works for me. Love that. Yeah, who gave Han Solo his name? Drawed Munbrin. <laughs> yeah, you're chewing on. A muffin, like you said, that's been there on the shelf for a day. Yeah. Well, we took uh, a real long time with that question, but it just mm-hmm. really fired my imagination to talk about things that, that we haven't spent as much time on. So yep. thank you, uh, Ben, for the great, um, hey, that was a full episode onto itself. We will move on <laughs> to uh, next question from Justin Jacobson, a patron on Patreon. Thank you, Justin. Here's what Justin has to say. Oh, there, Ken and Joseph. I have a question about the connection between Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Both have stories about seeking powerful relics to keep them out of the wrong hands. Luke Skywalker has done this with the help of his droid C-3PO and R2-D2. Dr. Afra has done this with their murderous counterparts, Triple Zero and BD-1. Indiana Jones has done it in a room with an astromech and protocol droid in the hieroglyphs on the wall and found Mm -hmm. proof that these relics come from other planets. If that counts as proof of a shared universe, which pair of droids do you think was depicted? (laughs) And what were they doing here? Trying to save Earth from relics that can melt faces or stirring up mayhem by handing out Sith relics like free samples at the mall? Uh, This is a a great question. I know people love Triple Zero and BT-1, the the, uh, dark counterparts to 3PO and R2-D2. How do you feel about this uh, Star Wars Indiana Jones connection, obviously it's a it's a long-standing uh, mm-hmm. thing to have these sort of nods to other fictional universes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and a lot of fans like this concept that they are actually all connected, and this is this is evidence mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's all connected. How do you feel about that? I think it's great to have fun with that as Justin is, uh, as opposed to you know I'm sure there's some folks who throw them out there as Easter eggs as facts, but. Uh, it's it's a fun in-house nod too, being in, 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 in like Lucasfilm winking at Lucasfilm, e- even up to Andor with what sink stones are there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, stuff in the whip and carbon carbon frozen right. whip, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's always been something I, I enjoy. We talked about Club Obi Wan and our Temple of Doom uh, discussion. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, uh, I, I I love it. I and you, I think it also it's not directly Lucas Lucasfilm, but it's friends talking about friends. I definitely think uh, I can have a lot of fun thinking about ET, ET being uh, a Jedi lost <laughs> lands on Earth. <laughs> uh, and that's why I recognize it's Yoda. Um, and of course, we know that the species shows up in Phantom Menace. So uh, yeah, a lot of lot of lot of fun to have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I agree too. I think for me, I, I really like Star Wars happened, you know, uh, uh, far away a long time ago, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't, and I I I am fine with the idea that, um, the species, uh, uh the ET species, mm-hmm. lived billions, trillions of years, and uh, and that was the ET, mm-hmm. the, the you know. Mm-hmm. Trillionth descendant of the ones, yeah, <laughs> yeah. whooping up in the Senate in Phantom Menace <laughs> is the one vote that had now. You know, vote now, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, phone in your vote, phone in your vote. Uh, yeah, vote from home. Um, so I like that idea. I like it mm-hmm. that that mm, it's not even so much about did they come from space. It's more like. But, but mm-hmm. this happened a long time ago. Is uh, yeah. I, that's a part of Star Wars that I treasure. Yeah, same, same. Um, so let's get into Justin's actual question. If these are in Indiana Jones markings of an astromech uh, droid and a protocol droid, uh, which pair is being celebrated and why? Yeah, yeah. Taking, of course, the the, the fact that Triple uh, uh, Zero and BT weren't around uh, in the, anyone's minds when the movies were made. Let's go into the actual story of it. I still uh, stand uh, by the idea that it that it is three PO and R two. Um, theory wise, going into some um, strange conspiracy theory waters there. Uh, perhaps R two had some plans for pyramids, uh, <laughs> wall. Um, I don't subscribe to that theory in real life, uh, but uh, I think it's more complicated than that. Uh, but um, and more direct. But I, here's my here's my pitch to you, Joseph. I think Luke Skywalker post Return of the Jedi. And maybe this will be covered in Filoni's movie. Um, sent them out into the galaxy to scout for a possible Jedi temple based on um, maybe something he was feeling, some kind of information he found. And the travel, it took so long that they go ahead to our galaxy or our time <laughs> and, and, and that they had been there uh, in um, in that area there near, near the, 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 the Well of Souls and all that stuff during that time uh, uh, or before. Uh, thousands, it could be thousands of years before Indy's time, of course. And and that the the locals uh, hung out with them, and that's why they're on there. Uh, mm-hmm. That um, we don't know if it's a Jedi Temple. Uh, maybe they reported back to Luke with that information. I think they, yeah, I think they landed in a desert part of Earth. <laughs> Luke was like, "Bleep this!" Yeah, 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 not again. Yeah, <laughs> they're out. Like, are we just on Tatooine again? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like the idea that 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 it is three PO and R two uh, being being celebrated because I feel like if it was triple zero and BT one the the carvings would have more of a sense of warning. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Stay away, dangerous, dangerous. Um, I I like the headcanon that they didn't actually make it to Earth, but the legends of them did. Mm. That there's this untraceable legend uh, of these mechanical men known only as three and two. And it is, you know, whispered they they traveled in the stars with a powerful heroic wizard, and we don't we don't really know much about them other than this this uh, silhouette, or you know, maybe it's even that um, mm. you know uh, soothsayers uh, saw them in visions, 
and right. carved them into the walls and scrawled them into ancient texts. And I, I love, I love like this idea that there are these kind of revered unknown figures and three people would be so happy <laughs> <laughs> that there are drawings of him and yeah, yeah. people are trying to translate him. Oh, curious, curious indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that, that's my thought uh, in which uh, I'm excited to watch. We just watched all the Indiana Jones movies to discuss them, but I'm excited to watch them again just for joy. And I'm going to get extra joy out of all of the little nods. Yeah. Love those nods indeed. All right. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with one more question and a power of the light side back in a moment. 
We see him first with his pistol, an iconic Western-style gunslinger, also his pulse rifle. As he goes into Season 2, we see him collect the Beskar spear and the Darksaber and lose the pulse rifle. In Book of Boba Fett, we see him lose the Beskar spear. And in Season 3, we see him lose the Darksaber. And now his blaster pistol? Upon a rewatch, he appears to pick up two bigger pistols. Are these his new cool weapon? Uh, I also cannot tell that he loot crate them on Mandalore or were they uh, the stormtroopers? Uh, what else is next for him in terms of a cool weapon? Mm. Love this question because it's just kind of going through uh, Mando's <laughs> up and down yeah. tragic relationship with weapons. And uh, I have to say, I did not have time to rewatch the final, those final episodes of Mandalorian mm-hmm. season three and, and trace what I think is happening uh, with the weapons of his, uh, his IB 94 uh, gunslinger pistol is lost forever. If you, if the other two that he's wielding, if he took them off of troopers, off of Gideon's troopers, or if he had them packed his backups, I didn't have time to go through and, you know, as a pruder film it to try to figure yeah. that one out. I also kind of feel like, of all the things that the Mandalorian does well, accurate tracking of Mando's weapons <laughs> is not high up uh, for me. So I also feel like we could we could just pick up in season four, and he's got he's got the IB ninety four back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the pulse rifle, which a documentary needs to be made about what happened to the pulse rifle for me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because it's the thing in season one where it, it it disappears on that mission in Tatooine, where it seems like it would have been really helpful when Fennec <laughs> was sniping at him. <laughs> to have and then yeah. gets pretty definitively I think uh, destroyed mm-hmm. uh, with the Razor Crest but but it, it is like Mando why, where, where's your pulse rifle for parts of season yeah. one yeah totally totally uh, so I, I, I'm curious how you feel Ken we will answer the direct question about you know what, what might his cool new weapons be but how do you feel that that is a part of his story is that weapons as, as he says are part of his culture part of his religion and yet he kind of, he does go through them. He has them and he uh, loses them. And sometimes it's hard to track and sometimes it's a big meaningful moment. How do you feel about his relationship with weapons? I, I, I love what you're saying here. And it's it, it thought I had a, a, as well. It's like, I don't know how, it, it, you know, explicit it is. Like, it's one of those things like you, you and I love celebrating themes. And sometimes I think they're very intentional. Other times they just kind of emerge because it's the story. And this to me might be one that's, story who knows maybe favreau will be like ha gotcha all along his goal our goal was to have him lose weapons as he goes along the way <laughs> um, but it's working because it's there it's happening daniel's uh, uh, question here it's almost depressing right about this poor guy just lose everything <laughs> loses everything he gets uh and, and and things that he attaches to his identity so i think there is a lesson there you have it and i kind of like it I, I almost wouldn't want them to be too aware of it you know i just want it to keep kind of happening in the background yeah I like that it's like the pulse rifle work we're saying just uh, disappears. And I have Zapruder filmed that. I was so, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm obsessed on that detail when sometimes I let things go, but he puts it on the cart at the end of Sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just, anyway. Yeah. Um, but then there are the, the weapons that are, that are meaningful. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Beskar spear he's kind of shamed for that, that Beskar shouldn't be, you know, forged into a weapon. And it's the spear yeah. that becomes. Uh, Grogu's armor, right? Yeah. Uh, the chain link. Um, and then the Darksaber is this weapon that was never a match for him that he didn't want that was foisted on him. Uh, so th- those two things, and, and, and the fact that he, he, he finds the Beskar spear kind of happens into it by 
Ahsoka gifting it to him, mm. he stumbles into the... He's going through a lot of loss in season two, uh, but then the thing that he needs finds him Yeah, in the Beskar Spear is interesting. So it does almost feel to me like uh, these are story beats that are like, that they're practical. They're, we need him to fight Gideon and he needs something to fight with. Then mm-hmm. this Beskar Spear uh, emerges. The, the Darksaber emerges as a part of the, the story uh, of what Mandalore is going to be and Din's relationship to it. So I don't necessarily feel like it was super intentional, but a theme does emerge of this man who has a strong relationship to violence. Mm-hmm. Weapons are a part of who he is, but he's on this search and this journey to find the right weapon for who he is as he changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah. So works. For me. I also, yeah. I also I also wonder if it is a point of shame. <laughs> like yeah. when he's hanging out with other Mandos and they're comparing weapons and he's like, yeah, I had this, but I lost that. And then yeah. I had this, but I lost that. And are they really like, you, you need like those, those mittens that kids have in <laughs> cold climates where they're tied to your wrist. <laughs> Tie your weapon to your wrist, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tie your phone to your wrist. Uh, put a chain, uh, you know, n- necklace on. Um, I love that. No, I, and again, going to the thing here, you know, how intentional, I don't know. I don't even need to find out. It, it just kind of works for me. And it's part of his ongoing journey as, as was losing the razor, razor crest itself. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want for his future? Do you, what do you want him to have like a new cool weapon when we rejoin him in season four or what, where you go with yeah, that? Yeah. I, where I go with it is I, you know, uh, when I think of this goes to Boba Fett and this goes to growing up uh, with Boba Fett as the, the, the only example of, of these Mandalorian super warriors from the past, I, I, I want him to have um, very, like, very specific reusable wrist weapon. And I know he's got the, the little, uh, little birds there. I know he's got that, the whistling birds. I know that, then, which are, by the way, awesome. Um, but, yeah, and, and flames probably there as well, right? Yes, we, we know he has that. But I'm talking like a blast, like something almost new, like a almost to your point. Of, I keep losing blasters. Guess what? I'm strapping it to my wrist, like a wrist blaster of some kind, because that is the Mando way to be, right? Just again, going back to 1984, if you were to think what kind of cool weapon, I did I'd want it on the armor. Um, so I, I'd go there and then the side weapon. I'm trying to think there's he's been an example of it even with him or other manos but vibro throwing dart blades like <laughs> you know uh or or almost like um ninja stars uh, i was talking about this with a, a our our mutual pal joe star about how for a lot of us in our age bracket i don't know if it was for other generations but there was this weird thing in the mid 80s where we all wanted to be ninjas this this yep. Ninjas were just sold as the coolest thing. Uh, maybe it came out of Karate Kid. I don't think so, but like in G. comic books, a ton. Comic, right? GI Joe, Storm Shadow, Snake Eyes. Uh, a lot of uh, ninja characters should start showed up. And I, I mean, I, we're talking to the point where I went to the library to get books on how to, you know, uh, it was martial arts essentially, but I was learning how to walk on stone silently. Like I was convinced in fourth grade I could be a ninja. And a ninja, that, you know? Yeah. That that's what was was the new idea to me in the eighties. Yeah. It was probably my brother who told me about it. It's like, get this, they can kill you, but real quiet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just, you're used to like John Wayne, like 
you know, <laughs> punching somebody and it echoes across the hills and gunfire. And like, just, we, we were so used to big, loud American violence that the yeah. thought of like, you could be violent and silent at the same time. This is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Silent violence. Yeah. And, and, and so because that like a, a good throwing weapon uh, is something uh, I'd want from Mando to have as, as a backup there. And again, I, he may have different versions of it. Again, I haven't, I haven't done the, the scrub through it, like you said as well. Um, but that's where I'd want to go. So something strong on his wrist and something to throw. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. The idea of, of uh, Mando, you know, throwing mm-hmm discs uh would be really cool like you know in 1984 throwing stars were the coolest concept for a weapon it was just it was mind-blowing yeah oh that it was really cool i really the comic books you know claimed they'd send you some you know in the ads i wanted them i wanted them um i do want him to have a new weapon i i, I kind of want him to keep the pistol i'd love for him just mm-hmm. to have that ib94 back Right. Um, I, I love the history of it being sort of in, in fire, inspired by uh, mm-hmm. Boba Fett's uh, Sacros K11. Um, but I also feel like one of my favorite things about season three is that it ends with him kind of knowing that he's on a new path and that he wants a new path, mm-hmm. that his goal now is to be Grogu's dad while Grogu sees the galaxy mm-hmm. and, and grows up. And that in order to keep him and Grogu afloat and to teach Grogu responsibility he needs a job mm-hmm. uh, so he wants to be a bounty hunter for the new republic doing only morally approved Grogu friendly bounties <laughs> that's such a great and interesting yeah. setup that's it's almost you know well he is you know gonna be a marshal kind of character yeah, yeah. um in the pistol goes great with being a marshal but mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind him having some sort of like um a variation on like an electro staff, like different. I don't want him to just have, you know, yeah. uh, what, what droids have had, um, what Magna guards have, but something different, maybe even something that's almost more like a baton. Like, you know, it's, it's clipped to his belt, but he whips oh, it out and yeah. it, it extends and, you know, maybe he can even, you know, fire a cool mm-hmm. Mando dart from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, now we're combining ideas. We've got a throwing dart that shoots out from his vibro uh, <laughs> stick. I love this. His vibro stick. That's what, yeah, yeah. he needs a vibro stick, and then Lady yeah. Gaga can do a song about it. <laughs> I love that. Any more Mando weapon thoughts? Uh, no, it, it, here's the thing. It, it, it's truly a world of possibilities with him. This is who he is, and he can find a, a new version of that. Yeah. So fun. Great question, Daniel. Thank you for sharing. And I can't wait to see the controversy of where those blasters come from. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll address it in the Disney Gallery episode of uh, Mandalorian Season 3. I want, uh, I want a half hour, John, at a dinner table explaining where the pulse rifle went. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did he, did he loan it out? What, what was the deal? Anyway, I need a I need a comic book. Everybody makes fun of comic books explaining yeah. one little thing. I do need a comic book uh, tracking the pulse rifle. All right, we are going to wrap up with a power of the light side entry. If you're a newer listener and don't know what these things are, uh, we ask our patrons on Patreon to share just something positive about Star Wars. It can be just a scene, it can be a moment, it can be music, uh, and it can often be uh, a long, thoughtful essay about their Star Wars journey, uh, and that is what we have today. There's a, the, just, there's a real fun vibe here. When I first started posting uh, a call for submissions, I'd say like uh, maybe one or two paragraphs, and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of people were like, I'm sorry, but I, I have a little bit more to say. And then other people saw that more <laughs> other people had <laughs> more to say. And now there's a just a blatant like, we know you said that, but yeah. no, we, we want to share more. And we, I, I joke about it. We welcome it. Uh, and I also want to let people know that this is a, a, a longer entry. So uh, kick back, uh, grab a drink of, of any kind and enjoy this Power of the Light segment. Are you ready, Ken? I am ready. This comes to us from a Chris Williamson. Chris says, Hello, Joseph, Ken, Jennifer, and the Four Center family. I've been a longtime listener of Four Center, but only recently joined Patreon as part of your recent drive. I felt I needed to do something to support the work you all do outside of sharing Four Center with my friends by word of mouth and social media. For my power of the light side, I just wanted to take some time to talk about what you all have meant for me as I have continually evolved as a Star Wars fan since I was first introduced to the galaxy far, far away in the late 80s. I know there are others like me, but I grew up in the dark times. The original trilogy had already been released. The toy lines were dried up and there wasn't a Timothy Zahn in sight. Mm. I remember being introduced to Star Wars by my older cousin, whose father had bought him every Star Wars toy imaginable. I was three years old in 88 when I remember playing with his X-Wing and other action figures and ships, having no idea what I was playing with, but just being enthralled by the fun of it all. A couple of years later, he sat me down to watch Star Wars when my parents felt I was old enough to watch it. From then, I was hooked. My parents even bought me my first Star Wars VHS tapes, the Ewok movies, and then eventually my first Star Wars action figures for myself, the often coveted and discussed Bendem figures that yes. Ken speaks so highly of. <laughs> uh, well, is well, highly well, the word? Okay. Yeah, okay. I, 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 think, I think Chris is in, invoking some great uh, comic <laughs> irony. Uh, yes, because the, 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 the Bendems challenged me greatly of, please, <laughs> if Star Wars is going to be back, can it be action figures? And you felt the same way, right? When you saw yeah. the Bendems? 100%. Yeah. Uh, well, it's great to know that Chris found joy in the Bendems. Diving back into what Chris has to say. He had his Bendems. And Chris says, I remember being in second grade when I got uh, my first convert, a longtime childhood friend who I got hooked on Star Wars as we as well. We watched the movies constantly, read the novelizations, collected power of the force action figures and vehicles, and eventually created our own Star Wars fan club that we ran out of our basement discussing Star Wars, designing our own ships and speeders, and making up our own tales of what happened after Return of the Jedi. Uh, before we realized about the Air to the Empire trilogy and other EU books. My fandom only grew with each re-release of the VHS tapes and eventually the special editions. Unfortunately, my fandom hit a dark period during the prequels. Being in high school is at a very impressionable age and hearing from other friends and the general Star Wars public that the prequels sucked and were ruining Star Wars. Mm. I unfortunately went to the dark side and began becoming cynical about the fandom that was so pivotal to my youth. I would still go to see the films in theaters, but the joy wasn't there for me anymore. And I was genuinely sad that the thing I loved as a kid no longer brought me joy. I thought it was just a part of growing up. Jump ahead to the acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney and my excitement started to grow. Could Star Wars take a new direction under new leadership? I was hopeful. Lo and behold, the same dregs of fandom showed up after the film's releases, but I felt like I needed to push back. For the longest time, I felt like I was on an island. Standing up for a movie franchise that I had only recently discovered was still a major part of my life and who I was. It was part of my identity, even if I didn't know it at the time. 
From when I was in high school until this time, I now had become a high school social studies teacher, seeing Star Wars in so much of what I taught in the lessons and messages I was hoping to convey. I had become the Star Wars teacher at my school. It is an identity I have fully embraced with inspirational Star Wars quotes all around my classroom with other memorabilia scattered within my classroom decor. It was around the time of The Last Jedi that I discovered Force Center. I was looking for podcasts for my drives to and from work and downloaded every possible Star Wars podcast I could find, but there was one I looked forward to the most. Truly need to thank you for helping me internalize how I was feeling about Star Wars and introducing me to a community of amazing people that can just express their joy for Star Wars while truly working to understand the themes and messages it is trying to share with the world. I felt like Han Solo at the end of the Force Awakens trailer. I was home. Thank you for working so hard to make such a positive space for Star Wars that I have seen make its way into other circles of the fandom. I try my best to use Star Wars to spread positive messages of identity, the choices we make, caring for others, and standing up for what is right and just. The same messages present in Star Wars are what I hope my students get from my classes. And Force Center helps recenter me on those rough days after school or mornings when I am overly tired. Thank you for helping me be a better Star Wars fan and in turn a more positive person in general. May the Force be with you all. May the Force be with you, Chris. This is really beautiful. Thank you so much uh, for sharing this journey. Ken, what are your thoughts? I, one of the things at the end that you said that this has all made you a more positive person. I think that's one of the things uh, I, I focus on where just engaging with stars on a deeper level, deeper level has, has affected me and changed me and, and, and helped me grow even after all these years. And it's an ongoing journey. And your journey is, is one shared by many of, of Star Wars enters your life. It, it, it means something at a certain age. It, it changes, but maybe you don't. And so that's why you're, you, you, you brush up against it a bit and, and you know, you don't have to love everything about it. Let's be clear about that. I've, I still know the prequels don't hit uh, for a lot of folks for a lot of reasons, and and they're not all bad, uh, to be honest. But um, I love it. it's an ongoing journey. I think it, it, it's it's why uh, we enjoy being part of this community with all of you here, and the fact that you're a teacher and that you're uh, sharing Star Wars in that way. I want I want to go to a Star Wars teacher's class. <laughs> yeah, me too. I I think th this whole journey is is so relatable. I think we've all uh, had our dark time. I think there's never a time where I didn't like Star Wars, but there was definitely a time where I, I only talked to people about it in a uh, I'm having fun, poking fun at it because uh, I didn't feel uh, mm -hmm. safe to just be like, yeah, we're, we're making all the jokes, but mm -hmm. but I really love it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, and I ju just spent five minutes riffing with you about how stormtroopers can't hit anything, uh, but then I'm going to go to Toys R Us and see if they have the snowtrooper action figure yet. <laughs> yes. You know, there was that time for me where it was like, it, it was fine to make fun of, but, you, you know, people people didn't need to know you were excited. I was excited to get my driver's license because I could go to more Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's really powerful. It's really great to hear that people of all ages who, who start Star Wars, regardless where you start Star Wars, there's, there's often a, a, a pull to, to a dark time and then an ability to sort of reclaim like, no, this, this means a lot to me. It's both meaningful and fun. And, and being able to reclaim that is really wonderful. Other thing I just want to say is it, it's always very kind and very nice when, when people share nice words, uh, not just about Star Wars, but about uh, Force Center and the community. And I'm so glad that a, a community has, uh, has grown up uh, around us who want to be critical and thoughtful, but polite, and then also just joyful and, and celebrate it. And 
Chris, what you said about the podcast, um, helping to recenter on rough days. Uh, the four center community does that for me at times where I'm getting really grumpy and really mm-hmm. cranky. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I remember messages like this, uh, this one, uh, mm-hmm. and think like, I know that's, that's who I tried to be on the podcast and that's who I want to be. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to recenter to that positivity, um, because of, of hearing the reflection from, from the community. So thank you for that. You, you, you all help recenter me. Yeah. That's actually a great point. I want to point as well. Like you, you discovered this Chris after, uh, last Jedi. And, uh, that was, a, an interesting time to say the least, <laughs> but I think in a way I discovered force center after last Jedi, it had been going for a couple of years, but it was a fun extension of, of other things I was doing. Um, and just kind of, it felt like a, a fun, yeah, again, fun part, but like a, a part mm-hmm. of me, me in this digital media space. And then last Jedi rolls around and it wasn't just a safe spot to discuss it. It was like, this is, I know I need this. I need, I need to talk about it. I need to uh, get a little shelter from the storm and uh, I need to share what I'm feeling. Cause I'm feeling great things. And I, I want, I want you all on the ride with me. I, I don't want to get held up on that should have been Akbar or what. No, this movie affected me. And, and that emerged for us, I think after the last Jedi in the community as well. So Chris, uh, very much uh, you and so many others are part of that. Absolutely. So thank you again, Chris. I really agree with you, Ken. Last Jedi was, was a turning point in lots of ways. It's, mm-hmm. it's really fun to hear uh, when people started listening and, and why. Mm-hmm. So thank you for everything in this great message, Chris. If anybody is listening, if you're a patron and you want to uh, submit a Power of the Light Side segment, uh, just go to the post page, scroll down, find the picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi smiling at the Skywalker twins and get your entry and I'll eventually, uh, pretty soon here, I'll probably uh, refresh the post so it's uh, closer to the top and find a different picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi smiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is it. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I do. We're on Twitter, Forest Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. We have that uh, live Q&A coming up. Go subscribe to the channel so you won't miss it. Facebook page is Forest Center Podcast. We are available on a lot of spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Just search. You'll find us merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly, as we said up top, at patreon.com slash Force Center. Follow me at CatNapSock or go to my website, CatNapSock.com, for more things like my music show, Pop Rock and Radio, my ASMR channel, Sports Card ASMR, and a whole lot more. It's all there on the website. Joseph, you. Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. I'm on Blue Sky right now. If you get an invite, give it a try. I'm still on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, I'm having a lot of fun on Instagram, so you can find me there. My handle everywhere is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Having a ton of fun working on short films. Thank you, everyone who has uh, uh, supported, just uh, with kind words, supported the uh, the recent Kickstarter for the short horror film I'm working on and more news about those things coming soon. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Drawed Mundren, <laughs> Kit Fisto, this has been Cues of the Force. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>